Hello and welcome back to the College Baseball Central Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Healy, publisher and editor of collegebaseballcentral.com. Today, we're going to be joined by Rice Owls play-by-play announcer J.P. Heath uh, to talk a little bit about what's going to be an interesting season of transition for the Rice program, uh, you know, mostly because for the first time in a long time, there's going to be a head coach other than Wayne Graham in the Rice dugout. Uh, that head coach, of course, is Matt Braga, last seen leading Tennessee Tech to the Austin Super Regional and, and given Texas a pretty good uh, pretty good series there before uh, ultimately bowing out. Uh, so we'll talk about, you know, just how strange that'll be as, as a phenomenon to see someone other than Wayne Graham in the Rice dugout. We'll also talk about what to expect from a Matt Braga-coached team at Rice. And we'll talk about some of the specific position groups. This was not necessarily a situation where the cupboard was was left bare. There's still a lot of talent here. Matt Cantorino in the starting rotation is an elite pitching prospect who's been very productive for Rice's first couple of years on campus. So guy like him leading the rotation. And the position group is talented as well. Trey Cruz, Dominic DiCaprio, uh, a guy with a lot of talent. Braden Como is a guy who's gotten a lot of buzz in his own right. So a lot of talent to talk about. So we'll get into that with JP as well. And then, of course, we will also talk Houston food recommendations. This will be a nice comparison podcast with the one I recorded previously with Jeremy Branham. The Houston Cougars play-by-play man. So this is the other half of that silver glove rivalry, and uh, it'll be fun to kind of compare J.P. Heath's Houston food recommendations with those of Jeremy Branham. So a lot of stuff to get into with J.P. Let's jump right in. All right, as promised, we are joined by J.P. Heath, Rice Owls baseball play-by-play announcer. Uh, we're going to talk about what's going to be an interesting season in 2019 for the Rice Owls, uh, if for no other reason than they have a head coach other than Wayne Graham for the first time in a very, very long time. So we'll we'll talk a little bit about Coach Graham uh, with JP. We'll also look ahead, talk about what a Matt Braga coach team at Rice is going to look like. We'll talk about some individual position groups. There's still a pretty significant amount of talent on this roster despite missing the postseason in, in 2018. This is not a bare cupboard situation, uh, at least in my opinion. We'll talk to JP about that, and of course we'll wrap up with the uh, food recommendation segment, of course, this will be back-to-back podcasts uh, with people from Houston. Last episode uh, was with Jeremy Branham, Houston Cougars uh, play-by-play announcer, and, and today with uh, the other side of the Silver Glove series with uh, J.P. Heath. So it'll be interesting to kind of compare notes on those Houston food recommendations. So uh, we will wrap with that, uh, my favorite part of the podcast every time around. So that's going to be interesting as well. A lot of stuff to get to with J.P. Uh, J.P., I appreciate you joining us today. Hey, thank you very much and very humble. But first, um, Jeremy Branham gets on ahead of me. That's it. I'm leaving. I'm, <laughs> I'm out the door. Now. We'll uh, we'll call it a uh, we'll call it a scheduling uh, thing. I think uh, Jeremy was a little more open earlier in the week, so nothing personal, JP. I, I assure you, nothing personal, uh, just a scheduling thing. He's a good friend. He's a good friend. <laughs> a good guy for sure. Um, let's let's jump into the rice talk, kind of in the obvious place. Uh, how strange will it be to look in that dugout and see someone other than uh, Wayne Graham calling the shots there? Yeah, you nailed it. Really strange. I cut my teeth doing rice baseball, and it's the reason I got uh, blessed enough to get the full time job. And a lot of that is because of Coach Graham and the, the dominant program that he had. And uh, this will be my 11th season coming up. So 10 seasons with the OG that kind of caught on that nickname uh, a few years ago. And that, that really appropriate for him. And, um, and I'd not even take it a step further that a lot of people, and I would kind of agree with them more than not, that uh, he really represented the, the greatness that Rice Athletics could be and really, uh, some even thought I wasn't around at that time, but everybody, everybody had said he 
kind of save Rice Athletics going back a, a decade and a half. So it's going to be really strange, but I mean, this, this business, this profession is about uh, adjusting to new things. And um, one thing, and you might get into more of this later, but it didn't take long for Coach Graham to welcome Coach Braga uh, to the introductory press conference. I saw a Coach after and talked to Coach Graham a little bit after meeting Coach Braga. And uh, even the day before, Coach Graham had shown Coach Braga around the campus. I mean, that's just the type of endearing individual he is, as competitive and sometimes tough as he is on the guys, most of the time tough on the guys as he was. We were saying that in the past tense. Um, he'll be missed. I mean, I've had uh, certain talks. I've kind of made it public in other settings. They need to uh, do something with the stadium. That would be nice. Uh, um, I think that would be well received in its, in its due time. I know that probably won't happen in the, in the uh, immediate future. Uh, but naming streets, having statues, because um, he, he's Rice Baseball. Uh, and, and everything that is done after it will be measured to that. And, but this is still a new chapter, and everyone that I've talked to around the program is welcoming that and is really – liked Coach Bragg so far, which I'll know we'll talk about in a second. But, yes, uh, short answer, yes. It'll be really strange. But the time I've gotten to uh, talk to Coach Braga and the people around the program, they're really excited to have him. And, and uh, Mr. Carlgaard, Dr. Carlgaard, made a really good hire. One thing I think that, that every person who's covered college baseball and come through Rice to cover games has had the experience of is, is sitting in Coach Graham's office and kind of just – having that moment where you marvel at the stories that he's able to tell, it's like, you know, it's like listening to an exhibit at the baseball hall of fame, um, in some ways. Um, so I'm curious if you could kind of take us back to, it doesn't have to be your initial experience, but an experience you had with coach Graham, whether a story about coach Graham or a story that he relayed to you that kind of had your jaw on the floor in terms of how connected he is to just a different era of baseball history. Man. The, the funniest one that I wasn't in the dugout, but Dominic DiCaprio, when he was a freshman, uh, and I think it's kind of taken on like that it was, but by my understanding, it really wasn't true. But I found it really funny <laughs> is that he was explaining to him that he was there the day the slider was invented, <laughs> that Dom believed him. And like Dom is this uh, gregarious, like never really in a bad mood type, like uh, just, just young guy. And I, and he believed him. And, but coach had that type of way that, that EF Hutton quality, if he's talking, you're listening. And from the player's standpoint, if he's talking, you better be listening um, for disciplinary measures. Um, so that's the funniest, most recent one that uh, he convinced one of his players. He was there the day the slider was invented. Uh, it's obviously well known that he idolized Casey Stingle, <clears throat> wore 37 in part for Casey Stingle and for Doak uh, Walker, huge Doak Walker fan, which is crazy. Growing up, he was a huge Doak Walker fan. Yeah. And so when he was with the Mets, the, my, I guess my favorite story, and my dad, <laughs> my dad tells me this story back to me like once a year. So I know it's, it's probably one of the best ones is that uh, somebody asked Coach Graham, hey, when did you kind of know? When was that light 
switch, one of that flip where you knew you'd get into coaching. He goes, well, Casey Single had his media assembled in the front of the plane on the, the chart or whatever it was. Uh, it was with the Mets and Casey and Coach Graham was in the front of the steerage or the front of the other class. And um, he heard Casey ask the reporters, how do they expect me to win when they keep sending me guys like Graham? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that, that really sums up, Coach. I mean, there are, are countless others, uh, some fit for air, some not. Um, but I think overall, to kind of sum up those, because you hear a lot of amazing stories from players, is that he demanded excellence. And it was unacceptable if you were not excellent. And that if you couldn't do it, now you're getting me fired up. <laughs> that if you couldn't do it, that's okay. It truly is. But he was in the best quality of coaches is that do they get the best out of their players? And Coach Graham got that in an uncomfortable way. He would say uncomfortable things at tough times. But every most players to a man would say that. Um, he got the best out of them. And Coach would say, hey, I did it out of love, and I tried to get the best out of them. And I didn't give up on them unless they gave up on themselves. So that would kind of sum up all those other ones. But he just he demanded excellence, and he got it most of the time, and the proof is in the pudding with the, the obvious reputation resume he left with. So let's uh, spin it forward a little bit. Matt Bragg and the new head coach, uh, last seen, um, I guess many would know, that last seen leading Tennessee Tech uh, to the Austin Super Regional and given Texas a heck of a, a challenge there in that Super Regional. They were, they were up for it. So uh, he's now the head coach at Rice. What, what can we expect from a Matt Bragg a coach team at Rice? Obviously at Tennessee Tech, they were, they were known for putting up a bunch of runs. And, and part of, you know, I've talked to Matt Bragg about it, and he said, you know, I'm a, I'm a hitting guy, uh, but you also can't discount the fact that it was the OVC. Um, you know, that, that's a hitting league that's just kind of known and, um, you know, maybe you have to play it a little differently at Rice. So what do you, uh, what, what can you glean from what you've learned from about coach Braga so far and what he's shared about what, what kind of team we're going to see in 2019 and beyond? Yeah, I think the, the very short, succinct answer is I have no stinking idea, but that doesn't make for a good podcast answer. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. I would say it, it's obviously so much of, of Coach Graham's team left over with still a lot of talent in some spots. But still, I mean, quite candidly, there are some holes too. So I think uh, Coach Braga is, is tough. He's fair. Um, he's told me in one of the brief conversations, uh, football winding down, basketball going, but I still have seen – some of fall ball. And he said that Reckling Park could, I mean, it's a doubles park. Obviously, it's more of a pitcher's park. And with him being an offensive guy, and that was one of the things I wondered uh, coming in is that, I mean, the power numbers, yeah, they could translate. But, I mean, I don't know uh, his old ballpark, but Reckling Park is a pitcher's park. And I didn't know how that offense would, would translate, if it would at all. But, I don't think it's necessarily a huge power team coming this year, but I think they could still be a doubles team as the weather warms up and uh, the wind switch around a little bit. Um, some balls fly out, but it's never be, it's never going to be confused for a band box. Uh, and I don't know if right now you wanted to get into some of that, 
personnel, but I think they'll have some great top line pitching, like obviously, you know, Canarino, uh, Moss, but at the same time, um, you got to find some bullpen arms. I mean, at the back end, you, you know about Garrett Gale, but I mean, he throws hard. He consistently 96, 97, touches a lot of eights, but I don't know. So I think it, there's a lot of unknown, kind of referencing kind of my snide comment there at the very beginning, but I think it's really competitive. I was talking to a player uh, at halftime of the basketball game the other night. I was like, hey, what, what's it like, you know? And it was perfect happenstance because you and I here are, are chatting now. And he said, it is so competitive. He'll have drills. Uh, the pitchers don't shag. So, I mean, the offense is uh, the pitchers are competing against the hitters, and they have different types of drills. Everything is graded. Everything is scored. And that competition is really amped up. So I think he's going to be an aggressive coach. But at the, at the same time, I don't think he's going to try to do something year one that he might do in year three, as vague as that sounds. But I think uh, with some of the guys we'll probably highlight coming up here later on, I think that they could still be pretty good. I mean, it's still rice baseball. Um, this is not exactly like a total rebuilding project um, like, like rice football, case in point, Mike Lundgren has had. Um, but I, I still think there's a lot of promise and there'll be a lot of interesting baseball, which will probably break down the schedule coming up here uh, later on. But uh, there will never be a dull moment. And I've uh, come to expect that. And that's, that's been true here the years I've been here. Where should he have, he being Coach Braga, have the most confidence heading into 2019? I mean, is it as simple as, well, you know, the starting rotation, because you start with Matt Cantorino, who's going to give you a shot on every Friday. Uh, particularly in league play, or you know, it's a pretty talented position group too, uh, position player group too. So, where would he should he have the most confidence in his team moving forward that he feels like he's got guys that can make them competitive for for a postseason appearance right away? It starts with pitching. I mean, I'd, I'd love to say uh, Trey Cruz, Braden Coma. That's going to be a good left side of the infield. Cruz moving from second to short, but it's candy. I mean. <laughs> Projected big arm, uh, mid-90s, great breaking pitches. It's him. I mean, he's got to be the Friday guy. I don't know Coach Braga well enough that if he pitches his number one guy on Saturdays like some guys do. But I imagine, I mean, he's the Friday type of guy. I imagine Canning would be a Friday type of guy. But that's probably the most confident position on the team. And he had expectations going into last year. Um, Moss, I don't know if Moss is going to be a Saturday. Moss would be a Sunday guy. They're different strategies going into there. But offensively and, and defensively, position-wise, I'd say Trey Cruz at, at short. He's going to be a – he'll be a draft-eligible sophomore. So, obviously, some stuff to play for. But um, him moving to shortstop, um, after he had a little bit of growing pains at second base, but really settled into that last year, he's going to be, I think, that catalyst, which obviously most shortstops are in the infield. Um, on that side of things, uh, Justin Collins had some good uh, fall ball games, but I think it's Cruz. I, I'm, I get in this discussion all the time. People say, oh, this guy's hitting this and this and fall ball. I'm like, ah, that's great. But what do they do um, – 
figuratively when the lights come on, you know, in, in the, in the winter because college baseball starts so early. Right. That's that's when it matters to me. And I think Cruz is that type of guy. He'll need to up his average a little bit, but I think Canarino is the dude that will, will get a lot of the most confidence and that a lot of coaches anywhere have uh, much less guys that are in transition. I'm curious if you have your eye on any potential breakout stars for 2019. And the way, the way I wanted to find that is, is someone who was on the team in, in 2018 or, or prior uh, who really just has kind of either been blocked or injuries have limited them, just really hasn't had a chance to fully put it all together during the spring. Is there someone, someone or, or, or a group of individuals who stand out in that way for you? Good question. I think it would have been my guy, Andrew Dunlap, but uh, he's not playing this year. So from a, from a power sense, I think he would have had good power, but um, – Andrew is a unique soul, and uh, he elected not to uh, come back the last I heard. Of course, as we record this, he could be uh, coming back. I think I would say uh, Bradley Knighting in the outfield because the outfield is so wide open. Ryan Chandler left. He started forever and a day all four years that he was here. But I think when Knighting played right, that they've said in the past that he could play center. So I think Knighting – uh, can do that. that. That fits the criteria of your question. And then 1A, we go back to be a guy I mentioned earlier, and that Coach Graham answer would be uh, Dominic DiCaprio, because if he didn't have bad luck, he'd have zero luck last year. He'd come back, he got hit on the wrist, and then he'd be out a couple weeks. He came back again in the first pitch. He comes in and slides into home. I might have gotten that backwards in the injury sequence, but he just couldn't get healthy. And uh, Dom needs to have a, a good year, too. So I think he'd have to prove a lot, too, to scouts, but, but mainly to win. So I think Dom and Bradley would be the two that I think fit your question the most because all the other guys, you, you kind of know what you're getting uh, and wouldn't have as much to prove in that sense. And there's some transfers that weren't here last year, but I think, I think those two, Bradley, Knighting, if he plays right field or center, and then Dominic, whether he's behind the plate or a, a DH or a first situation. So let's look a little bit into the future and play pretend here. Let's say I told you um, that Rice ends up getting an at-large bid into the NCAA tournament, or you know they were at-large quality and got the auto bid, one of those two. But basically they were a, a regional caliber club, and they get into the field of 64 come uh, you know late May. Uh, if I were to have you reverse engineer the season, how what would you say went right that allowed Rice to get back in that position and ultimately get in? My goodness. I love – I'm stealing that next time. I'm, I'm, I like the way you asked that question. I appreciate that. <laughs> I think it has to be um, – they've got to hit. <laughs> uh, in this college game now, you can't be – uh, Punch and Judy and Coach Braga didn't come in here to um, kind of swing the limp noodle on offense. You know, you've got to you've got to hit, and they they just hadn't hit consistently a lot the last few years, and the power numbers had had gone down. I'm not saying you have to just uh, be Bash Brothers and just mash um, 80 or 90 homers like have been done in the past. But, I mean, they've got to hit a lot better. They've got to 
when there are these series that creep up every now and then, like, well, how do they lose that series? I mean, you've got to, you can't assume that you're right now and everything is, and I'm not saying, I don't know anything about this. That's just my, this is my two cents. I want everybody clear. This is just my opinion. (laughs) You can't, you've got to earn that right uh, swag back. You've got to earn that reputation back. You're not that rice anymore. You've got to get back to that. I'm really anxious to see that come back and see how Coach Braga uses that reputation because it can get you some I'm, – I'm sure it will work with some, some big recruits coming up in the next couple of years. You've got to uh, get back in there. I know I'm being really vague here, but, I mean, it's obviously offense, defense, pitching, but they – They've got to get back to where uh, they earn it again. Uh, they've got to be a little tougher. And I don't mean for the injury sense because people get hurt, but they've got to have that mental uh, toughness that can get them through a, a stretch against OU at home. They've got to win a couple of those big series. They play UC Irvine at home. They have the uh, Shriners College Classic again, getting back into that for the first time, I believe, in three seasons. They've got to – here's what they have to do. They don't go out of, geez, the loop <laughs> until March when we start conference play at Florida Atlantic. So mm. you you play your first month essentially at home, and you got to take advantage of that. You can't just kind of piddle around and not win at home like they've done in the past. So I know that's kind of vague, kind of specific in some areas, but they've got to – one, get the swagger, but they've also got to take advantage of the home schedule and the obvious dynamic of, of having star seasons from Cruz. Canarino uh, is great, but he would have some outings at times where he would get hit around a little bit. He would give up the long ball. So I think him riding the ship and having a strong junior year would, would be necessity too. And they'd have to get a uh, quality bullpen. Any a uh, college baseball fan worth their salt knows that when Rice has been dominant in the past, not just good, but dominant, they've had great arms in that back end. And I see one potential really good one in Gale and a really nice addition. Kendall Jeffries could be a long guy, a flex guy that could be a, a midweek starter, but they've got to have that bullpen get together too. So I know that was kind of wordy, but those are the main things that, that come to mind. That scheduling piece, uh, just as a quick aside, is interesting to me. You mentioned being at home, or at least in the city, early on. Um, but then you go on the road for that, that series against FAU, and, and that right off the bat might be the biggest series in conference play, not just from a conference race standpoint, but also from an RPI standpoint. I mean, I, I think it's going to be a good year in Conference USA, in my opinion. Um, you know, I haven't really fully fleshed that out, but it feels to me like a good year in Conference USA but still, with as big a league as it is, you can't really, and you know, Rice has, has found this out, you can't necessarily bank on Conference USA always helping you in the RPI as you used to 10 years ago. Um, yeah. It's just not that league anymore, necessarily. Um, so that FAU series is going to be huge right off the bat. It's a road series, and you, you can, at this point, pretty much count on FAU being a, a net positive uh, in the RPI and in the metrics. Yeah, no doubt. The way it ended also last year it was pretty feisty i mean they they ended coach graham's tenure at what did i look at the watch one one twenty seven, one twenty four in the morning um 
there was a controversial FAU folks will tell you differently. It's nothing personal against them now, but it's pretty heated. They walk off the field in a controversial game and nobody will forget. So that'll be really fun uh, going back to that, uh, going back to uh, and playing a rival like that, because that's, that's developed into a pretty salty, uh, not with any uh, potential for uh, bad blood, so to speak, but in a healthy way. That'll be a fun one. But then you come back at home against UTSA, make the long trip to ODU. Uh, FIU has played Rice tough in conference in the past, and La Tech uh, coming down there in late April has played Rice really tough and gotten the better of Rice recently in conference uh, in the past, and everybody knows about uh, the Rice Southern Miss rivalry uh, coming up in May. So there's no cupcakes, and that kind of goes back to uh, I hate that I don't want to have this notion that I'm repeating myself, but it's true. You've got to you're not the one being hunted anymore. You've got to go out and be that hunter and play with that chip on your shoulder and get that toughness and that that swagger back. And I think that that home schedule might give them the chance to do that against some some really big ball clubs and then kind of take that momentum in the conference play. But time will tell. Time will tell. Well, uh, let's quit messing around, JP. I mean, this has all really been appetizer to, uh, to I guess, provide a segue. Just been an appetizer to the food recommendation segment here. So uh, let, let's get down to business. Um, so had Jeremy Branham on last time, and I will not reveal Jeremy's uh, selections until after we've heard from you. I don't, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to muddy okay. the waters there. I want you to be free on that. So, um, so here's the, the introduction I give everyone is, is let's take logistics out of the equation. Let's assume that the listener could get a reservation anywhere. Uh, let's throw out, you know, you got to be at this restaurant at a certain time because the hours are wonky. Let's not worry about that. Let's just assume logistics are not a problem. Where would you recommend uh, a listener get a bite to eat, uh, when they're in Houston, which I know is a tough thing. You know, I talked to Jeremy about, it's a great, it's a big city. First of all, it's a great food city. Uh, so it's, I'm sure it's tough to narrow it down, but I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to put that on you and give you that tough task. Well, uh, being an annoying, uh, podcast, podcast guest, like I already have been, uh, I can't give you just one answer and I'm a, I'm a big old Texas guy. So I've got to give you a couple sides of it. I'd say please do, please do the absolute best. Uh, and I love Mexican food. Love me some tacos. Love me some, I mean, I love it all, but I think my wife and I went in the Woodlands, actually, and uh, Good Company Cantina opened up. So you being the Houstonite, I don't know if you had the Good Company Cantina. There's one in the Woodlands, and there's one opened up in Memorial. I haven't been to the Memorial one yet, but it was amazing. Uh, wife and I ate there before a concert over the summer, and it just had me wanting it again. And I got the um, Laguna Madre. It's like this shrimp. Dish. That's really good. Mm. Uh, but down on Kirby uh, is sticking it with uh, the good company theme. Is good company Taqueria. I love going there for breakfast. Um, but if you're talking like a hole in the wall place, and, I, and also this does sound like I'm being a corporate shill, um, but we have our coaches show location for football at Christian's Tailgate, and I get the bacon bacon burger. So mm. that's amazing. That's a good sports bar type of feel. Yeah, a Houston institution. A good recommendation there for sure. And then the other one, I'll give you my 16th answer here in a minute, <laughs> is um, the SIDs. I think one of the first places they took me was Langford Grocery, uh, which I'm sure you had, you had been to, but the floors creak and you can only pay cash. And, right. Uh, that's just a, a nasty, greasy burger. Um, 
or whatever the greasy spoon special is. So that would be, but I'm feeling like I'm forgetting some, but those would be the main ones. Cause I'm thinking I've been to some great, um, obviously you go down to Pearland, you go to Killen's barbecue. Yeah. That would be barbecue kick for Houston. So I'd have to squeeze in some barbecue too. But those would be, what was I up to 94 answers there? Or did I keep it under all, all good ones though? All, all good ones. We accept any and all answers. No, uh, you know, I, you know, you're getting the good food recommendations. This is for the listeners here. When, you, so, when a food is described as nasty and it's in a good way, like that's that a nasty burger. Like sometimes you want the nasty burger. Like it's one of those things where you may not feel good after you eat it. Um, yeah, that's how you know you're getting the good food recommendations. So Killen's was Jeremy's barbecue choice. He, he smartly, kind of as you did, smartly categorized it for us. He said when when other announcers or, or media members, what have you, SIDs from other cities asked me about where to eat, he's like, I split it in. I asked him if they want barbecue or if they want Tex-Mex. Um, and so Killen's was his barbecue choice. And that's to me, that's a layup. That's a no brainer. You know, the, this is where the logistics do play a role. Like if you're in the North side suburbs, Pearland's a hall, heck getting anywhere inside the loop is a hall. Um, yeah. yeah, but he, he said corkscrew barbecue, um, in spring, um, which, which I can vouch for. Um, and then for Tex-Mex, he gave, uh, you know, Papacitos, which there's, he's, he likes their fajitas there. I, I agree. I concur. Uh, a lot of locations on that one too. So that one's a good one. You pretty much, no matter where you are in town, you're not too far from a Papacitos. And then El Tiempo, uh, yeah. inside the loop. Uh, for myself, I'm Tex-Mex wise, I'm a big Ninfas guy. Ninfas on navigation, the original. Um, that's another place where you're not going to feel like running a marathon after you eat there. Uh, but it's, it's, it's pretty tasty stuff. So, um, so some different answers. Killens was the only, if we were to draw a Venn diagram of JP Heath's food recommendations and Jeremy Branham's that the Venn diagram would include Killens, but otherwise we got some, some different answers. So I think that's, uh, that seems pretty good. Yeah. El Tiempo was good too. I mean, you can't go wrong with that. That's amazing. And Papacitos is the, the big chain, obviously around here. You can't, that's, that's amazing. If, if people are coming around to you, you can't, you can't go wrong. We will yeah. not go wrong. Yeah, no, none of those are bad answers. It was, a, it was a good good couple rounds of that. So I feel like the listener should have a really good, you know, a really good holistic view of of particularly barbecue and Tex-Mex. So let's face it, if you're if you're coming from out of town and I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't really focus your focus your eyes food-wise on the on the barbecue and, and the Tex-Mex. Uh, you go you can go well beyond that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not limiting the city's food, but but certainly those are the two uh, you know, the two trademarks of the city and and where I would where I would uh, send people. So um, plenty of fantastic recommendations there. Uh, want to thank JP Heath for joining us today. Again, JP Heath Rice, play-by-play announcer, not just baseball, football, basketball, kind of a jack of all trades there. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Rice Owls Voice. Once again, that's at Rice Owls Voice. Nice and easy to remember there. Uh, JP, I appreciate you joining us today. Man, thank you so much. I had a lot of fun and can't wait to do it again. And let's Let's get together, uh, hopefully, coming to Rice sometime soon. Let's get together. All right, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Our thanks once again to our guest, J.P. Heath, Rice baseball play-by-play announcer. Uh, follow him on Twitter, at Rice Owls Voice. Once again, that's at Rice Owls Voice. And that'll do it for this edition of the College Baseball Central Podcast.
Head on over to collegebaseballcentral.com for all of our continuing coverage of the college baseball offseason. Uh, for one, we'll have a lot more podcasts coming your way as we take you all the way up to opening day of the 2019 season. Uh, but we'll also have features up as we go along in the offseason. Most recently, as I mentioned on the last podcast, I've got a, a piece on some deep cuts in the college baseball schedules that we've seen released so far. Uh, looking to go beyond some of the headlines on the schedules we've seen so far, don't get me wrong, those are exciting, and I'm looking forward to those as well, but I worked a little bit to, to kind of go behind those top-level headlines and find some quality series and tournaments beyond that, so check that out on the site if you haven't done so already. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe on Sports. that's Joe underscore on underscore sports, and you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and the TuneIn app, and no matter where you listen to our show first, be sure you're subscribed and do so if you aren't already, but also consider leaving us a rating and review. As we continue to try to grow the show, your positive ratings and reviews are crucial as we try to climb those recommended podcast lists. Finally, you can get in touch with the show via email at collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's collegebaseballcentralpodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, thanks for listening, everyone.